Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you and bless you for this day, for this time. We pray now that everything that we do and say, that it will be pleasing in your sight, that you would both inform our heads and inspire our hearts to move from hearing to doing so that we can become all you desire us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Most of you have spent some time in a dark place or in darkness. Maybe you've had an occasion to be in a dark place that was so dark you literally couldn't see your hand in front of your face. But I would dare say the overwhelming majority of you have never spent an extended amount of time in darkness. Researchers in Great Britain wanted to discover the effects that total darkness would have on a person. They wanted to study how it would affect you mentally, emotionally, physiologically, and they were looking for volunteers who would take on this task of being in darkness for 48 hours. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Wait a minute, 48 hours in darkness? Boy, I could get some good sleep in then, right? Isolated from the world, no phones, no emails, nothing, just darkness. But it's a lot easier sounding than it really is. Well, they found a person brave enough or foolish enough to volunteer to do the experiment. His name was Adam Bloom. At the time, he was a 37-year-old comedian who lived his life making observations and formulating jokes around those observations. Adam Bloom said, man, this is going to be easy. 48 hours, easy peasy. I can do it on my head but he had no idea what was waiting for him. Adam gets wired up because they're going to monitor him, monitor his vitals. He's going into this area of complete sensory deprivation. He goes in and he gets started, walks around a little bit, sits on the side of the bed. He starts singing, telling jokes, talking to himself, half hour passed, he was done. <laughs> then he said he got kind of bored just sitting there. Uh, they would bring him food, but he couldn't get his clock straight in his body because he had no reference points. After 18 hours, he was bored. He fell asleep, woke back up, and then his total clock was off. He had no idea whether it was day or night. He said, and then some things began to happen that he never expected. He said, when the door slammed shut, his life was about to change. After 18 hours, he began to become paranoid. He started wondering, was this a real experiment or was it a fake? 
Did people lock him in there and they're going to leave him in there? And he started thinking about, well, no, because we've been emailing each other for all this time. There's no way they would have done this just to be, you know, just setting me up to leave me here. All and, well, What if something happens to a family member? Are they going to call me? Are they going to contact me? Will they let me out if somebody dies? Are they going to let me out at all? He said he started singing and then he just burst into tears. He had no idea why he was responding the way he was. When he got to 24 hours, his mental alertness began to slow down. He didn't even realize just one day in darkness started changing how his brain was functioning. Without light, he said, it was almost impossible to stimulate myself and my brain felt as though it was going to sleep. After 40 hours, he began to hallucinate. He started seeing things in the dark that he knows weren't there. Then he said, I felt nothing but numbness as though I was losing the will to live. Think about it for a moment. That's just after two days, 48 hours in darkness. Can you imagine how somebody would feel if they spent years in darkness, not necessarily physical darkness, but in spiritual darkness or mental darkness or emotional darkness. See, when you find somebody who isn't thinking clearly, who isn't talking rationally, who's hallucinating, who is paranoid, maybe the reason is because they are walking in darkness. Now, you and I as believers, we know the remedy for darkness. The Lord says the remedy for darkness is light. That's the only solution for darkness. Here's the question. Will you be the light that this dark world needs? As we continue our series around this idea of I am hope, why being church is more important than just coming to church. I want to talk today from the thought how to be light in a dark world. There's no question as we look at the world that we live in today, there's a lot of darkness. We're praying for people in California who have lost their homes and lost their lives. We're praying for people in California who have experienced another mass shooting. I mean... Mass shootings have become so commonplace now, they don't hardly mention them on the news. We live in a dark world, and the question is, will you and will I, will we be the light that God has called us to be? One thing I want you to write down real quick. Write this down. The power of my presence. The power of my presence. Write that down. Don't write down the power of pastor's presence. Use mine, the personal pronoun for yourself. You see, each one of you, God has given you power in your presence. And the question is, will you use that presence the way God wants you to use it? Several years ago, same Reverend Strayhorn, he and I were talking. And I told you, we've traveled all over the world together. And he came to me, he said, Z, he said, man, I need to talk to you. 
And I said, straight, what's going on? He said, I want you to know when you're not at church, things are different. And I said, oh, man, come on. I'd only been at church a few years. I said, come on, man. He said, no, 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 I'm serious, man. Listen, I'm serious. When you're not at church, things are different. Now, I had no idea whether things were different when I was gone because I was gone. And it only is what it is when I'm here. But what he challenged me to do without even knowing it was to think about my own pastor and think about how it was different when my pastor was gone and when he was at church. And the Holy Spirit said, you have become what you used to look up to. And my brothers and my sisters, you heard me say it earlier, you have become what you used to look up to. Three things I want you to see today around this idea of how to be dark, I mean, how to be light in a dark world. If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to recognize, you need to recognize you are the light of the world. You need to recognize you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Look at 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God is light. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 9, verse 5, Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But when we get to John chapter 12, verse 46, watch the shift. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. But when we get to Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He has transferred responsibility. God is light. Jesus is light, and those of us now who know Jesus and the pardon of our sins, you and I, we are the light of the world. And this statement brings with it enormous responsibility, especially when we acknowledge that we live in a world of darkness. If we are not the light, who will be? The light of love, the light of grace, the light of caring, the light of compassion. The word light there in the original language is the word phos. It's where we get the root for the word phosphorus from, a light bearing. And it literally means to shine or to make manifest. It's in the indicative mood, the present tense and active voice, which means we are responsible 
to be light, and it's a statement of fact. It indicates who you are. You are light. Now, here's what's interesting and something you have to know. We are naturally incapable of being a source of light. We are reflectors of light. We are like the moon. The moon shines at night, but the moon is not a creator or generator of light. It reflects the light of the sun, which is the source of our light. Just like the moon reflects the sun, S-U-N, we are to reflect the sun, S-O-N, and be light that shines, that shows the light that ultimately comes from God. See, when God saved you, you were walking in darkness, and God brought you into his marvelous light. And he gave you value and he gave you purpose. Now, you may not know what that purpose is. You may not have fully embraced that purpose, but God has created you with purpose. And that purpose is in part to make a difference and to be light. Look at A. As light, you are meant to be seen. As light, you are meant to be seen. Christianity is something that's meant to be seen. Not to show off or show out, but to be displayed. God is not interested in secret agent saints. God is not moved by undercover believers. Your Christian witness should be publicly displayed. Nobody should be shocked to hear that you are a child of God. And your Christian walk, your Christian witness, your Christian work, and your Christian worship should be seen by others. God should see the Jesus in you as it comes out of you in every aspect of your life. Look at B. As light, you are meant to show the way. As light, you are meant to show the way. Lights help guide. Lights help direct lights help show the way if you've ever been out on a boat or on a ship at night and you are coming in or out of Galveston you will see lights that show where the ship channel is Th those lights give direction those lights give guidance those lights tell you you're in the right path or you're in the wrong path and there's somebody in here, you need to understand that that's what God calls you to do, to be light, to show people the path. So that when people are looking to see, is this the way I should go or is this the way I shouldn't go? They should be able to see the light in you and to figure out the way that they are to go. So the question is, will you be the light that God has created you to be? See, your place and your purpose is to shine in the world. And here's the problem. Too many of us are so excited about shining in church that we don't shine in the world. Oh, we're we busy in the church bragging about your light being bigger than somebody else's light. 
And when you become a grown-up Christian, you get to 100-watt light. You know, right now you're just a 25. You're just a neophyte. You know, I'm an incandescent Christian, but, you know, you want to grow up to become an LED Christian one day. You know what I mean, right? We're busy trying to outshine each other here when we are called to be the light of the world. Let me give you a picture so you'll get it. Um, So this is a light store that I came across on uh, Richmond, I believe it is, in our city. And look look at all these great lights. man! I mean, beautiful lights in there, beautiful lights and all kinds of lights. I mean, table, floor, ceiling. I mean, you name it, right? All kinds of lights. But guess what? What good are those lights doing? in the darkness around it. What good are those lights doing in a dark house? The purpose of those lights is not to just stay in the store. They put them in the store so somebody will buy them and take them to a house where light is needed. When we come here and gather, all we are is gathering a group of lights together. But this is not the only place we're supposed to shine. Uh, Let let me show you the next one. Uh, This is the Wide World of Lights Superstore. Uh, And I looked at this, and you know what I thought of? Mega church, right? We got 5,000 lights that gather in one place, darkness all around. But we got our lights all hanging out together. Listen, you are at your best when you are light in whatever dark situation you find yourself in. You are at your best when you are shining so that you draw attention to the glory of God wherever you find yourself. That's why Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And every light must be lumen appropriate. But every light has a responsibility to shine, not just in the church, but out of the church. Everywhere you go, your home, your community, city, county, state, nation, everywhere you go, in the country, out of the country, everywhere you go, you should be light. Look at Acts 13, 47. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Philippians 2.15, let's read it together. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Listen, there's somebody in here. You may not want to shine your light because of the darkness that you find around you. And here's what God wants you to know. Each one of us has a moral obligation to take our light to dark places. That's our moral obligation to be light where there is darkness. Here's the second thing. Number two, you must let your light shine. I told you, number one, you must recognize you are the light of the world. But number two, I don't want to take it for granted. You must let your light shine. Everybody say shine. Shine. In the same way, Matthew 5, 16, the A part. 
Let your light shine before others. Now remember, when Jesus says you are the light of the world, indicative mood, present tense, active voice. But here when Jesus says, let your light shine before others, imperative mood. You are light, but you may not be letting your light shine. So let me command you, let your light shine. The word shine there, in the original language, the word lampo, to beam, to focus your light, to intentionally let your light shine. Here's what I need you to understand. While it is a command, letting your light shine is a choice. You are light. Listen, your lamps or your lights at your house are probably not on right now unless there's somebody in your house. They're there, they're just not shining. And Jesus says there's a whole lot of us who are walking around, we are light, we're just not shining. We're not shining. Listen, if you need a light and you get a flashlight in your hand, what good is it if you don't hit the button? Right, you got to hit the button. What good is it being in a dark room with all kinds of light if you don't hit the switch? You have to let your light shine. You have the power to refuse or let your light shine. And here's the problem. You can refuse to turn it on. You can turn it off. You can shade it. You can dim it. You can misdirect it. You can shine it in the wrong direction. Jesus says you've got to let your light shine. So I got to show you this picture. I verified this morning this light is still shining. Matter of fact, this may be the only light that has a live feed camera on it in the entire country. This is called the Centennial Bulb. It is housed in Livermore, California at fire station number six. It is a hand-blown bulb with carbon filament, 60-watt bulb that currently is using four watts of power. Now, you're looking at that bulb and you're saying, what's the big deal? Edison bulb looks cool. You can buy one anywhere. That bulb has been shining since 1901. Since 1901. The average light bulb lasts 750 to 1,000 hours. In 2015, they celebrated the one millionth hour that this bulb has been shining. Think about it for a moment. Since 1901, that bulb has been shining nonstop. Now, here's the question. How did it last so long? Why did it last so long? You know how that bulb lasted so long? It's never been turned off. 
Even when they went to move it, they connected it to a power source to keep it lit. Matter of fact, one day it went off by itself and it came back on. But the bulb has never lost power. It has continued to shine. Can I tell you the problem for many of us? We got too many on-off believers who shine when it's convenient and turn the light off when they want to get in their flesh. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the person next to you. <laughs> you know, who, who will get mad and angry and ugly at the barista for messing up their coffee. And they come to church talking about, praise the Lord, everybody. How you doing? Ooh, thank you, Jesus. I know you preaching, Pastor. That's right. We have too many dimmer switch saints. Too many clap on, clap off Christians. You shine, then you don't shine. You shine over here when it's convenient, then you stop shining over here when you're surrounded by darkness. God says you have to learn how to let your light shine. Look at Romans 13, 12. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. Let's read it together. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. I told you, number one, you need to recognize you are the light of the world. Number two, you must let your light shine. Here's the third and final thing. Number three, you must let your light shine so you can help others see your good works and give glory to God. You must help others see your good works and give glory to God. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You need to be light, especially to those in darkness. That's why you are not to be isolated or secluded within the church walls or on the church campus, only moving among other lights. You are called to be light everywhere you go. And your light should never be turned off. It should always be shining. Look at A. You must make sure you help people experience your good works and not just hear your good words. You must make sure people experience your good works and not just hear your good words. Jesus says, so that they may see your good works. Most of us talk more than we walk. Talk alone is not enough. Profession and proclamation alone is not enough. Profession and proclamation must be followed by and supported by practice. That poet laureate of bygone days, James Brown said, talking loud and saying nothing. And you say nothing when your actions don't back up your words. 
My grandfather said, your word is your bond. That's all you have is your word. If you give your word, you got to be true to your word. You got to be true to who God has called you to be. You got to be true to your salvation experience. Look at James 2.17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James 3.13, let's read it together. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But look at B. 3B, you must make sure you inspire people to give glory to God. The text says, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Not that they see your good works and give you glory on earth. It's not about you. Whenever our light is shining, our finger should be pointing to glory, not pointing at ourselves. People should never leave talking about, ooh, how awesome you are. I would tell our leadership all the time, it's not our goal to have people leave talking about how great the pastor is, how great the choir is, how great the ushers are, how great the deacons are, how great the trustees are, or even how great the members are. They should leave here talking about how great God is. And everything that we do should be to point to the glory and honor of God. See, your good works become a testimony about God to others. God has no hands except our hands. He has no mouth except our mouth. He has no arms except our arms. And so when people complain about God, they're really not complaining about God. They're just complaining about the people who represent God. And if we are the represent, representation of God and they meet us, what will they think about God after they meet us? Your good works will help people know that God is real. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. Now, let me get ready to close, but I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. First of all, understand that all lights are not created equal. All lights are not created equal. We know all lights are not created in the same size, but all lights are not created equal because lights have a different purpose. So let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, this light that is being put on the screen now is a Tiffany lamp. Tiffany lamps cost thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, Tiffany lamps were created by Lewis Comfort Tiffany. Uh, his family was in the jewelry business, but he decided not to follow in the family business. He was an artist, and he wanted to do something that expressed his own creativity. He died in 1933, but he made lamps for the rich and famous of his day. And if you can find an original lead glass Tiffany lamp, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for it. Uh, what's interesting is these Tiffany lamps, go to the next one. 
are beautiful. They are ornate. Uh, the imagery that is captured, the picture that's captured in them is absolutely tremendous. But there are some other lights that we're familiar with too. Go to the next one. You know what we call these? Street lights. Yeah, not a trick question. Street lights. When you see a Tiffany lamp, you are drawn to it. You are drawn to its beauty. Nobody ever stops their car and gets out of the street light talking about, man, that's a pretty street light. Ooh, I ain't never, I ain't seen a street light that bad in my life. Matter of fact, you don't even notice a street light until it goes out. And typically it's got to be out a minute. Go, go to the next picture. These lights, street lights, park lights, don't draw any attention to themselves. These lights are intended to shine, to guide, to make others visible. Here's the problem. In the church, we have too many Tiffany lamp Christians. See, Tiffany lamps want to be seen. And they draw attention to themselves. And, and let's be honest, if you've ever been in a house that had Tiffany lamps in there, it's usually a dark house. And you got to have a light shining from the inside to even appreciate the beauty of a Tiffany lamp. But that Tiffany lamp makes you bend down to look at it. We got too many Tiffany lamp saints. And we need some street light saints. We need some folk who are willing to shine and stop trying to draw attention to themselves. Stop trying to make people applaud you for what kind of light you are and just know that your presence makes a difference. So here's the question. What kind of light are you going to be? You going to be a Tiffany lamp? Or you're going to be a street light saint. So, after 48 hours in complete darkness, Adam Bloom comes out. And Adam Bloom, on reflection, acknowledges that he's a changed man. After 48 straight hours in darkness, he doesn't even see the world the same way. He says when he walked up to that bunker, that sensory deprivation chamber, it looked old and gray and mundane, run over. He said, but when he walked out the same door that he walked in, he said the grass looked greener. He, he, he didn't remember the grass being that pretty. He looked up at the sky. He said the sky looked bluer. He didn't remember the, the sky being that blue. When he, when he washed his hands, he said the water seemed wetter. Everything seemed better when he came out of the darkness. Somebody in here, think back to when you came to know Jesus. After you walked in darkness for however many years, there was a song we used to sing, said when I, when, when I came to know Jesus, I looked at my hands. And my hands looked new. I looked at my feet, and they did too. 
Somebody in here can testify life has never been the same since you walked out of darkness and walked into God's marvelous light. You see things differently when you walk in the light. Your perspective on life changes when you walk in the light. Your appreciation for the grace, mercy, and love of God changes when you walk in the light. Is somebody in here, God says, celebrate being in the light. Old song said, walk in the light. Beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. <laughs> Jesus is the light of the world. But once you decide to walk in the light, you've got to be conscientious to make sure your light shines. You've got to let your light shine wherever you go. But here's what I need you to know, and then I'm going to take my seat. You don't have to be a great big light to make a big difference. Sometimes in the church we get so discouraged because we got some big light saints in the church who let their light shine among everybody else. And so we say, well, my light isn't as big as her light. My light isn't as bright as his light. If I had your light, I'd turn my light in. But God says, you don't need a big light to make a difference. All you need is a well-placed light. Some of y'all looking at me strange. Let me see if I can help you. I'll put this next light up. That light right there is a little light. But how many of y'all know that light makes a whole lot of difference? Somebody in here, you were afraid. You were afraid to sleep at night unless you had that light on. They call it a night light. But somebody, even when you wasn't afraid to sleep in the dark, you still need a night light to make sure that you can see your way for your trips to the lavatory at night. That little light will keep you from stubbing your toe. That little light will keep you from walking into the bedpost at the end of the bed. Have I got a witness here? I don't need a whole lot of light. I just need well-placed light. Somebody in here, you may have a little light, but I got some encouraging word for you. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Everywhere I go, I'm gonna let my light shine. You may not think much of my light, but I've learned all I need is a little light to make a big difference wherever I go. Yes, yes, everywhere I go, I'm gonna let my light shine. All in my home, all on my job, all on my family, with my friends and my enemies. Wherever you go, whatever you do, 
whatever you say let your light shine and men will see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven and can I tell you one more thing your light can't shine if you're trying to shine it out of your flesh you got to be tapped into the true source of power you got to be tapped you got to be tapped into Jesus to let your light shine to help somebody else come to know Jesus what a tragedy somebody would die and go to hell all because you didn't let your light shine you were so self-conscious you were so ashamed that you didn't let your light shine you, you ever pulled up next to somebody and the music is so loud your car windows are rattling and you know what I, I've done a little experiment maybe you've done it too I have never heard a Christian blasting their music to make some car windows rattle. It's always some crazy cussing, bang bang music, right? You like, God dog, man, why I gotta hear that? But when Christians pull up next to somebody and their windows down, they turn their music down. Don't, don't turn your faith down. Don't turn your witness down. Don't turn your walk down to the point that it can't be heard. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's the power of God unto salvation. I got to let my light shine wherever I go. Father, thank you for today. And I pray now, God, that somebody would make a commitment to say yes I'm going to let my light shine and then let it shine everywhere they go. I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that somebody's inspired today to know that no matter how small or big their light may be to them, their light can make a difference to somebody in darkness. We love you. We give you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.